Hey, listeners, welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher. And you know, there have been so many times throughout my leadership when I tried to be something I am not. So I appreciate one of the core messages in the conversation with today's guest, who lives and leads from the mantra, fitting in is not fitting you. Don Griffin is the Chief Human Resources and Diversity Officer at TriMedics. What you really need to know about Don is the decompressing strategies that keep her grounded and are so consistent with who she is as she navigates all aspects of her life. Listen in as we talk about taking risks, finding someone who believes in you, and have some big laughs along the way. Let me just start by saying, in case I miss saying it on this call, when you think about who I am at the end of the day, I'm a mom, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a Jesus lover, a friend, a sister, and an executive. So many things before I'm an executive, although that's how most people, obviously, in my professional life know me. Um, from a professional standpoint, I've spent over 20 years, mostly in global private equity-owned organizations and automotive or healthcare really in every aspect of human resources. So I started off smiling and dialing and recruiting. I'm that old. We did not, phones still had cords. There were a pink little, while you were out for your voicemails, because there was no voicemail, somebody wrote that for you. And I did not have a computer. So that's how much experience I have. Started off smiling and dialing in recruiting and really just what got me to where I am today, taking a lot of risk, doing things others did not want to do. You know, that's how I got where I am in my professional life. And somebody said, hey, does anyone know how to do this? And everybody was looking around at one another, like, do you know how to do this? Do you? And then the next question was, is there anyone who wants to do this? I was always like, I'll do it. And nine times out of 10, I was like, I have no idea what I've gotten myself into or what I'm doing. But the reality of it is no one else did either, apparently, and no one else was willing to do it. And so that just led me to a point where I was able to do really everything in the HR space and a whole lot of stuff outside of the HR space. And, you know, when I think about the most important elements of me, being a mom, a wife, a Jesus lover, a friend, how I got to where I am now, I started my life growing up was a whole lot different than my life is today. I like to say, don't let the lipstick fool you. I grew up in a very rough environment where I always just thought, my goodness, this is, are there people living this way? And I didn't have examples of other lives or other things, but I thought to myself, there's something else out there. And I think that spirit that I developed as you know a young child took me into the work life where I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm about to figure it out. And I think those things that just take a lot of soul searching, really about who I wanted to be as a person, who I wanted to be from every aspect, who I wanted to be as a mom, how I wanted to be as a wife, how I wanted to be seen as a colleague, how I want to be seen and how I want to show up as a chief human resources and diversity officer. That spirit came from that young child who was like, hmm, I don't think this is the life I want to live, but I'm going to figure out the life I do want to live. 
Mm. And I think also it just comes from, you know, you've got to have people that support you and believe in you and believe in your kooky ideas and your dreams and somebody who's like, yeah, you can do that. Even when you don't think you can do it yourself, you know, you just need one person. Hopefully you can get one person besides yourself who believes you can do it. But if not, I believe you have to, my daughter is keeping it real here. Everyone, my daughter is sitting across the desk <laughs> from me and she says, I believe in you, mama. Oh, I love that. And you know, you need sometimes, honestly, there's nobody else that believes in you. And mm-hmm. that's where you have to believe in yourself. That's where you have to have a really strong sense of who you are and a strong sense of who you want to be. And you just have to say, you know what? I am square pig in a round hole. And sometimes that can cause you to consistently look for how you change yourself into a round peg. But what I found is I'm just going to go look for other square pegs because I bet they're out there. There might not be many of us, but I bet there are other square pegs and square holes. So who are they? And how can I find other people that believe in this too? I love it. It's so fun to hear you connect the dots between your childhood, your experiences growing up and that resilience, that the spirit of stepping out of your comfort zone and trying something different and how all of those risks and challenges along the way have really gotten you to where you are. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I think it takes a whole lot of, like I said, soul searching. I think it takes a whole lot of hard work, effort, finding just one little person who'll believe in you. But I think for me, I know it's been a lot of grace and a lot of blessings from God. So at the end of the day, I know that that is the biggest part that's played in it. I'm just so fortunate, you know, in every aspect of my life, I'm just leading my best life, Mm -hmm. which is an awesome place to be in. Everybody experiences trials, tribulations. I have my own as well. And it's not like I'm leading a life without those, but I really just try to focus on just every blessing that I have and just really try to keep that as a focus. Yeah. And well, and it's obvious. I mean, you've mentioned it already a couple of times. And just from what I know of you, I see that in how you lead. I mean, I suspect on that you, cause you're, you are a bold leader. You will say the thing that needs to be said. And I suspect that a lot of that does come from your strong grounding, your groundedness in who you are, your groundedness in your faith. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, definitely. I'm sure I have said the unpopular thing a many a time. I think that I'm sure I, I'm certain if there's anyone listening now who has known me across the years of working with me professionally, I am certain there have been times when I have not shown up as this kind as I would want to be. and. Sometimes in trying to become something you want to be, you kind of become unbecoming because you're trying to work it out. And you look back on yourself and you're like, whoo, that was not how I wanted to show up. But there's always a chance to improve. There's always a chance to give grace to yourself and give grace to others that, look, when you know better, you do better. And you can constantly improve. And I think it's hard, though, to say, I can improve and I want forgiveness. and grace from somebody else and give that also to other people because everybody's just working out their stuff. That's, we're just working it out every day in the best way we can in the midst of everything that is going on. Yeah. And you were saying earlier, just this admission that like a lot of those risks you took, you didn't really know what you were doing. You weren't fully equipped. I mean, who is ever 
Yeah. Who is fully equipped? And I think the the thing that I always think about is, um, and you mentioned about change, which I think is an important aspect. I mean, all of us are probably maybe it's sometimes more energized by, by change, but there's a lot of people who are just sick of it, right? Why can't things just be the way they are? The truth about it is, is everything's changing all the time. And there's a continuum of, of change. And sometimes it's going really fast and sometimes it's going against your grain. And I just found leaning into that change, no matter what it is, and just saying, okay, I can lean into it. I think about it like if you're standing at the top of the icy stairs and you know you've got to get down the stairs. So you've got to get down it. And you can either hold on to that banister and bang your face up the entire way you're going down it, or you can just sit down on that icy stair and lean into it and try to look as good as possible and come out as uninjured as possible while going down it. These are your two options. Get banged up and dragged along the way for the change or just lean into it and be like, okay, okay, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to try to, you know, lean into this as much as possible. I'm going to try to come out of this as least less damaged as possible, right? These are your options. Well, and I would say like, go for a ride. Go for a ride. That's exactly right. I might just like, I might just belly flop onto the ice and have a little ride. And have a little fun, right? I mean, and I think that's where, I mean, we've had some laughs here already. I think that's where, you know, you ask about my coping strategies and I say, okay, outside of praying, Mm -hmm. which is the first one. And sometimes believe me, I grew up Catholic, so I don't have any fancy prayers going on here, right? I don't have any, I'm just like, (laughs) dear Lord, help me now. Right. So I start with that. And the next thing I rush right into is just humor. Right. I say, honestly, I am like one step away, one laugh away from rocking in the corner with spittle coming out. And that is a bad look. So I've got to find the humor in everything, no matter what it is. Yeah. We also, I have to tell our listeners after we had lunch recently, you sent me a random pickle face. (laughs) A pickle with a face in it. With a face in it. And I had in my photos my own pickle face that I then shared back with you. So now we have this fun pickle face. Pickle face. But I loved that. I loved this the random connection in that. That's yes, it's exactly. so consistent with that. Keeping it light, making it fun. I mean, it, you call that a coping strategy. But I want to back up before we talk about coping, because you're I want to go back to just this mantra because I want to name this. You've described living your life in a, like a stepping out kind of a way, you know, having the courage to do something different, to say the hard thing, like whatever it is. You said, I'm going to figure out the life I want to live and living it. So there's this mantra that I know is important to you. Fitting in is not fitting you. And I mean, it really does describe the way in which you live your life, doesn't it? But tell me more about that. Why is that so important to you? And how do you lead in that way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that kind of came to me a few years ago when I was really thinking, I was having a hard time fitting in somewhere. And it was really, looking back on it, I was trying to change myself. Like I was trying not to be so funny. I was trying not to make as many jokes. I was trying to be a little bit, okay, let me think of everything. Let me think if I, okay, what do I want to say? How's the most perfect way I can say it? What's the most perfect way? I can approach it. How's the most perfect way I can do it? Oh my goodness, I need to do this over here. 
to be more accepted, which is something I honestly hadn't had to do in most of my life. So here I am well into my career. And all of a sudden I'm just trying to change myself to fit in, to say the perfect thing. Why? What was the driver behind that? It was just the kind of the, a role I had taken and how I had, it came up in my own mind that I just needed to be different. Mm. And honestly, it just wasn't working for me. It was horrible. It made me, it made me feel horrible about myself. And it made me just think, my gosh, if this is what I have to do to fit in, I just don't want any part of it. I would just rather be myself and make improvements while being myself versus changing who I am. And I was talking to somebody one day and I was like, yeah, fitting in is not fitting me. Right. So if I have to do this to fit in, if I have to not be, if I have to not crack a joke, if I have to prepare for everything to the nth degree, it's not going to work for me because honestly, most times I do consider myself a well-prepared person and a well-organized person. But also when you spend your life and career doing things that are in the unknown, there's a whole lot of that. You're like, well, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it as the moment comes. There's pieces you cannot prepare for. And so I just thought to myself, this is not good. I, I don't want to spend all this time preparing and, you know, I want to be prepared, but there's a, you know, that balance of being prepared and spending an over amount of time preparing. I don't want to not be able to make a joke because A, things are funny most of the time. And B, I have to laugh. And so that's when I was like, oh my gosh, fitting in is not fitting me. And so I shared that with people now when they say they're having a struggling time or they're trying to change themselves. I think there's a difference between trying to change yourself and evolving yourself into a better person. And that's when I'm like, maybe fitting in is a fitting you. So maybe you could mm-hmm. find, go and find some place or a group or something that's like your people. Yeah. These core aspects of yourself. And but it starts with self-awareness, doesn't it? I mean, you have to know who you are and the environment in which you'll be at your best. And it reminds me, listening to you, it reminds me of um, early in my career, I was doing a lot of speaking and I had a colleague who was really funny naturally. He was so quick-witted. And so I decided I wanted to be funny like that. And I tried, there was a speaking engagement I had and I started with this like David Letterman style top 10 list. And it was so inauthentic and ridiculous and it's so bombed. So it's like, okay, that doesn't work. (laughs) Exactly. You have to be who you are. Yes. And I literally hired a comedian friend to try to like make me funny. And because he was a friend, he said to me, Andrea, you're a fun person. Maybe not like quick witted like this guy you're talking about, but like, just be fun. Bring that energy bring your fun, lighthearted spirit. That's what you don't have to try to do. Oh, okay. I'm not funny, but yeah, I can be fun. Exactly. I'm funny, but I don't know that I'm fun. (laughs) Well, see, that's why we make such a good team. Exactly. That's where we should get together, right? We can balance each other out. (laughs) I love it. Well, it is, it's very empowering. The fitting in is not fitting you. I mean, it's, it's a reminder to like be who you are and let the cards fall where they may. How have you in your career? Because there are going to be there are going to be times when your strengths are not what is needed in the situation. How have you navigated and led through that? Yes, one hundred percent. There have been many a times when my strengths are not what is needed, and I think that's where knowing that so self awareness about what your strengths are 
And if I think about focusing on the work environment, that's where you have to hire the people that have the strengths that you don't and really celebrate that. And I know a lot of people are fearful to do that. Like, what if I hire somebody that's better at something than what I am, has different gifts and talents, and, and then somebody figures that out, that I'm not as good at that, that I might be out of a, you know, I might be out of a job or somebody else might become more favored than me. But the reality of it is when you know who you are and you can find somebody else who has the strengths that you don't have and you can hire those people and you can celebrate those people. Yes. And then it just makes you, A, it, it helps you be a more awesome leader and it helps just have a great team. You know, I think about the team that I have today and most of them have strengths that I do not. And I hired for that. And I'm so glad because I don't have any embarrassment about saying, A, this is not my gift and B, I just don't enjoy it. So mm. I'd like you to do that. And that's a great opportunity for that person to use their gifts yes. and their strengths and their talents and to shine in that area. And then also they're going to have something and it gives them the courage to say the thing that is not their gift and not their jam. Exactly. And they can ask somebody else for help. And I'm always telling the entire team that I have, not just my direct reports, find somebody that loves to do the things that you hate to do and see if you can have like a little bartering system. <laughs> because if you can get that going, it's going to increase your, how you feel about your work. You're going to feel much more positive about it. You're going to feel much more energetic about it. You're not going to be as drained, you know, to work on those things that just, they just don't bring you any joy, but mm. it takes courage to search that out in yourself, but also the courage to just go to somebody else and be like, this is not my jam, but I think mm -hmm. it's yours. Can you help me out? But such a good thing to learn early in your career. I, mean, I can remember so many times when I tried to deliver on something that wasn't something I should be delivering on because I wanted to add value. I wanted to prove my worth. I wanted to be seen as having an impact and helpful. And it's like, I can figure this out. Like, oh gosh, if I just engage someone else, we all yes. would have been better for it. A hundred percent. Such a good reminder. Okay. So you're grounded in, I just want to summarize what we've heard so far. You're grounded in all these aspects of your life, like your faith clearly being such a driver for everything you do. You started with this point about, I am so much more than an executive, that humanness. How does acknowledging that, like, how does that serve you well as a leader? That's a great a really great question. I think it's a great question for HR professionals because it is called human resources. And so one thinks like, obviously the human aspect is always there, but I think it's difficult in HR because you have to do a lot of the blocking and tackling. You are involved in a lot of work that's emotionally draining, but you're supporting the other people who are emotional at times mm -hmm. or other people who are emotional in the situation. So sometimes that can cause you to be less emotional and just to try to kind of balance out the situation. And I know that's happened to me. And I think sometimes, you know what, you've just got to recognize that this work in HR, it's a great profession. There's a lot of obviously human elements of it, but there are a lot of elements of it that are just emotionally draining. Mm. And I think taking care of yourself and recognizing that, that it's not just the task that you're doing or the strategy that you're implementing. Right. It's just saying to people, you know what? This work is emotionally draining. 
-hmm. and allowing people to recognize that, that in just calling it out that I think is helpful. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I say that to my team all the time. Why is that? Like just you're so onto something, just naming it as really hard. Why is it that that has such an impact? Because I think then you can say, once you recognize it and you call it out and say like, wow, this is emotionally draining. I am not just doing the task of human resources. This situation, whether it is, it can be in any area, talent acquisition, engagement, diversity, equity, and inclusion, whatever. These are situations sometimes that can just be emotionally draining. Not the task of it, but hearing what everyone thinks about it. Everyone's thoughts around it. Everyone's you know, helping people engage in it. And I think just saying like, this is taxing. This drained me emotionally. Then you can do something to support yourself in that way. And not only just support yourself in the aftermath of it to be like, okay, I need a minute. I need a minute to decompress. But also you can prepare yourself for that. And you can go into your day or your month or whatever that is, or your activity or the meeting. And you can more prepare yourself and say, you know what, this might be emotionally draining. I'm going to, I want to be prepared for it. Kind of like an athlete prepares for a race. We're going into these situations as HR professionals every day. And we are, I think, and I'm guilty of it. We don't recognize the emotional aspect and the emotional toll. And we expect so much of ourselves. Expect so much of ourselves. And we are not robots. We are also people. We are not just human resources. We are also a person on the, you know, on the backside of it. And I think once you can just say that and accept that and maybe recognize that and how that can play a part, you can take strategies to guard against it. Just like an athlete prepares for a race, mm-hmm. you know, that could be anything. You could be whatever your, whatever your thing is, journaling. If anyone yeah. who knows me is listening, they'll be saying, yeah, Dawn and journaling. She just struggles through that journaling, (laughs) meditating. That's not your coping strategy, huh? I try to make it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it here. Uh, Meditating, working out, you know, getting together with a group of friends and and laughing or just talking something out. I mean, these can all be coping mechanisms ahead of something you're going to do or something that you do afterwards just to decompress, recognize and reset yourself. Yeah, that's a great way to describe a coping strategy, like a decompressing activity. And I so appreciate it. So it's funny how we worked ourselves back to the coping strategies, because that was where it was going to bring us. And we got here naturally. And you were talking earlier about prayer, laughter, and then you've just added several others. But what I hear you saying is really each individual figuring out what's decompressing for you. I mean, that is a really, and, and being confident in that. Yes. Because it's what's not a one size fits all. Yes. It could be sitting on the couch, like in silence. That could be, that could feel good to somebody. It feels good to me sometimes. Like I just want to sit there in silence with no one asking anything of me or talking to me. I just want a moment of silence and then I can be good to go. And I think depending on who you are, what gives you energy or what takes it away, I'm a total introvert. I know that. So, I have to take that into account. There are times that I just need to be away from others. And I think that's where self-reflection and and understanding who you are as a person comes into it. Yeah. So if you're going to a big event, you're going to be with a ton of people. What do you do Mm -hmm. to prepare yourself for that? I try to spend a lot of alone time before then because I do not enjoy big events with a lot of people. Even if I know all the people and God forbid that I don't, 
And then after that, I really have to spend some time either by myself or with my two favorite humans, my daughter and my husband. Mm. So because I just have to be in that smaller space. Mm-hmm. So you know that about yourself. And so, I mean, you answer that so quickly, right? Because that's, you've been in that situation a lot of times throughout your career and you navigate it and talk a little bit more about navigating all of it. Because you led with, I'm much more than an executive. I love Jesus. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. What do you think is the key to navigating it all? I think the key to navigating all, the key to keeping it all together or some semblance of keeping it together is really just knowing the things that make you grounded. Like what are the things that are your must haves and also having a plan. I'm highly organized. I know some people are not organized and you can equate a plan and organization, but I don't think a plan has to be organized. It just has to be, what's your plan of attack? You know, what's important to me? What are the things that I must have in order to be kind of fulfilled as a human, right? Fulfilled as my own person. And for me, if I don't spend enough time with my family and and my daughter and my husband, then everything around me will start not feeling as good. We'll start not feeling as fun. I won't feel as energetic. I won't feel as enthusiastic. So that's kind of like my, I know that's the number one important grounding factor. Then, okay, what's my plan of attack for my different areas of my life, whether that's be my work life or my personal life? Where are the areas that I need to spend kind of more time self-reflecting? Where are the areas that I need to change, right? Because it's just, it's just not working, right? Whatever I'm doing is not fitting what I need to be doing. And then also recognizing, be intentional about it. You can't just fall into a plan for your life, having some intention around it. And the other thing that I think is important is, you know what, if you make the wrong plan and whatever you think is your plan isn't working, you can change it. You can say, this isn't working for me and I want to change it. You can say, you know what, I thought this thing was the kind of the base foundation, the Maslow hierarchy of needs for me, like mine is my being with my husband and my daughter. But you can, if you sign, you know, I decided that's not it. You can change it. You have the power. Yes. What an important message. You're empowered to change. If you're not getting the results that you want in your life, do something different. Do something different. Do something different. Just take one step to change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a major change, but I think so often people are so focused on what they aren't getting and blaming the circumstance, the situation when it's like, dude, just do something different. Just do something different. Even thinking about it different could be a different. Even thinking about it different. And I think the other thing is, and you said it, and there's a great point. You can be really focused on what you aren't getting and what you don't have. Mm-hmm. It's so cliche to say it, but I think it's helpful for me at least to have a focus on all the things I do have and all the things I do get the opportunity mm. to do. And if you start with that and less about the things you don't have the opportunity or the things you don't have or the things you want to have, or I'll be able to do this kind of win. No, what about all the things you have right now? All the things you have right now, all the opportunities you have right now, all the things that you get to do right now that you don't have to do, because the reality of it is we don't have to do a lot of things, but we get to do a lot of things. And I think just recognizing that many things that you do, they're your choice to do, 
Now you can choose to do something different and you'll have to accept the consequences, good and bad, but you don't have to do most things. Mm, you get so to do good. most things. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes just kind of focusing on that instead of, it's so easy to focus on everything you don't have or everything you want. And that can just be a real downer. And it can be exhausting. Just doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good. It just does not feel good. But it doesn't say give up on all the things you want. I think you you can have all the things that you truly want and you can place a focus on that. But just, I don't make that the focus of my life. Mm-hmm. So good. Thank you so much, Don. I love it. It's, you know, and it goes full circle because you started the conversation with I'm all of these things and that you said there was a point when you were like, I'm going to figure out the life that I want to live. And so you, you're creating it as you go grounded in these practices that are keeping you in a really good place. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I hear what I hear is like, you're doing the work, right? You know yourself so you can choose like not to fit in because you know, what's going to give you energy and what isn't Know that like having to plan, oh my gosh, that's not the environment for you. Yeah. I think I do love the planning. And I do love the details to a certain point, but there's that point, you know, when you're leaning into stuff, you have no idea what you're doing, Yeah. right? How many times has that happened to us in our career, right? We just have, there's been many a time, I'm like, I have no idea what I am doing, but I'm Mm -hmm. about to do it. And that's the part I can't plan for. So all the things I know how to do, I plan for, and I plan, I make a plan around the things I don't know how to do. Some of the stuff I'm just figuring out as I go, like, That's well, that's a really good point. I mean, those things that you are that do give you energy, like give you energy to take on those risks and those things that you don't know. Take them exactly. Yep. Where you can just step into the unknown and like, okay, I'm gonna be learning something every minute, and everything that I learn is gonna lead me to figuring this out. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these incredible insights, practical, really practical kinds of things with our listeners. If someone wants to connect with you, Don, what's the best way to do that? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn and find me out there at Don Griffin. Okay. And if you've got any good pickle faces, send them Don's way. Absolutely. Send those pickle faces. For the rest of our relationship future, anytime I have a pickle face food, I'm sending it to you, Don. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you will. I count on it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.